Welcome to The Journey with Senior Pastor Marty Grebs of Crossings Community Church, a podcast where he explores God's extraordinary work in everyday people. I'm sitting here with Lynn Watson. Lynn has been a part of our church for 18 years. Uh-huh, 18 years. And uh, very involved, and very active, and um, she has been extremely helpful in our student ministry. And mm-hmm. so um, while we were having some discussions a couple of years ago about that, I said, would it ever be possible that you would join our staff? And I think you said you'd pray about it. And you did, and then you ultimately said yes. So now I you, said no twice, <laughs> and then you said go pray. I, well, I blocked that, that out. I block out the no. I <laughs> pretend like I don't hear it. So, but uh, you have sure been such a help in our mm-hmm. this growing crazy church, growing staff. Mm-hmm. And I especially appreciate the uh, enthusiasm you've brought to the staff. You've turned you can turn everything into a party. I mean, everything Absolutely. can be a celebration. So anyway. Um, you know, one of the questions uh, on the list of, of questions I'm supposed to ask is, where did you come from? And that's a perfectly appropriate question for you. Who are Just you? Just where did you come from? Well, I came from Latin America. Mm, that explains, no. <laughs> that explains it all, right? So you grew up in Latin. I grew up in Latin. My dad was a preacher. My mom was a teacher. And so I was at the church every minute of every day. And uh, when I graduated high school, I knew I was going to pay for my own school, and I got a four-year ride scholarship to Cameron, and my mom said, you are not staying here. You're going to OU. And I said, but I'm paying for it. She said, yes, you are, and you're going to OU. Best decision ever, because once I got there, I thought, I'm going to move to Oklahoma City, get a job, and your life changes. Yeah. And you had a rocky patch in your ministry family. Absolutely. I, I did too. Absolutely. A little similar, I guess. Sure. Time, at 16, um, my father had been the pastor of the same church in Lawton for 10 years. At 16, and my brother was 18, he announced that he was leaving my mom. And so we did not take that lightly or well. But God had a plan because I was never close to my mom. Mm-hmm. And when he left, and then my brother subsequently left to go to OU, my mom became my mom and I became best friends. We're survivors. And um, it's been a blessing ever since. And if I recall, you all didn't know that announcement was coming. Is that right? So that happened. So we didn't know he was announcing to the congregation. It was Mother's Day of 81. And he announces to the congregation, and everyone just looks at us. And we're like, oh, glad he told us. So Mother's Day from that point forward was hard for my mom. I bet. Needless to say. Yeah. Yeah. And that was 81. That's been quite 81. a while ago. Yeah. yeah, and then six months later, he got married. Mm. I went down for the wedding. My brother did not. And six months after that, he asked my brother and I to come with his new family to a lake, and we said no, and that's the last time we heard from him. Really? Mm-hmm. Until we heard of his death through a friend of ours who lived in Kansas City saying, we see your dad's obituary. And so then we had friends for Blot who chartered a flight saying, hey, we've got a charter plane waiting for you and your brother if you want to go to the funeral. And we're like, no. So, wow. yeah. So how many years was that after you Eight saw years. Him? Well, seven years. So he left in 81 and he died in 88. So he was 50. So I always say that any time after 50 for me is bonus because he died of cancer. Oh. And then I got cancer in 45, yes, at 45. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
So, you know, I, something that I've, I've learned and I really appreciate, and I've got to be careful with it sometimes because I don't want to impose anything on, on the people that we reach in our church, but there's just something different about a believer, a follower of Jesus who's gone through a trial Mm-hmm. And the tougher the trial sometimes, the, in some ways, the, the better the ability to impact other people. Yeah. And you've had a few of those, you know, with your dad mm-hmm. having cancer, you know. And so I don't know what your thoughts are on that, how God has used some of those difficult moments in your life. Everybody has those moments. Mm-hmm. Um, so how did, what would you say if you look back on it? You know, I look back on my parents divorced and say that became a seminary I never got because I had to learn a lot about what the Bible said about it. What do we do with that? How do we handle it? Uh, Can I keep loving parents? All that kind of thing. So you've had some pretty tough curveballs thrown at you that um, clearly have impacted you in a lot of different ways. You want to talk about that a little bit? I think with the divorce, um, I think that gave me resilience and independence that maybe I didn't see in my mom at the time. I think she, as a pastor's wife, was very um, submissive and just making sure she was dotting the I's and crossing the T's. And so I think being a pastor's wife, that my view of that, it's tough from what I experienced. And so I always pray for pastor's wives, always, because I know that that's just a tough ministry to uphold that. And um But then through that, just to see her strength and her resilience and how she just continued on with her career, most people, when they get divorced, they go bankrupt. I mean, she should have sold our house that we grew up in and gotten an apartment, but she said, no, I'm keeping this house until you graduate from college. And in fact, she went on further to keep it even longer. And so I know she just worked hard to make that happen, and that just gave me the fire to keep moving and plugging along. And then that also had me, had the awareness of who would I want to marry? Because I want somebody who's going to be a great father to my kids. You know, so you look at those family dynamics. I dated one person whose family dynamics were not there, and I thought, he's not, he doesn't have a good example of what a father should be. Mm -hmm. And so when Brad and I met, and I met his parents, I was like, he's the best father Mm -hmm. ever. Both Brad and his father, Dick. Yeah. So I feel blessed in that way. He's probably a pretty good husband. He is. He is. He puts up with me. I kind of get, and that's quite a task. (laughs) My mom describes our marriage. When she was alive, she described our marriage as, um, I'm the kite, and he's holding on to the string. (laughs) That's perfect. And it is perfect, because I'm going everywhere, and he's just steady. Uh Another trial I experienced was cancer. At 45, um, my daughter was 16, and she said, Mom, I've got a lump in my breast. And I went, what? And because I had taught her when she was younger how to do breast exams because that's what we do. And I said, yes, you do. And so we went immediately to my um, breast doctor and they did a, a biopsy right there because I said, if we want to know, we need to do a biopsy. And I said, do it. So I sat there holding her hand the whole time. Two days later, it came back and said, benign. She's just small and mighty like you. And I said, great. <laughs> Eight weeks later, I went to go get my mammogram, and I said, you know, I've been feeling something, and they looked at it, and they did a biopsy on me. I said, go ahead and do it. My daughter just had one eight weeks ago, but mine turned out to be cancer. And when my doctor called, I was actually at a trade show, and uh, she said, can you talk? And I said, absolutely. I told my people I might be getting a phone call, and she goes, it's cancer, and I said, awesome. 
And she said, what? And I said, I'm so glad it was not her. Oh, yeah. Take one for the team. But it changed everything in our family. Um, hmm. The cul-de-sac that I uh, raised my kids on, I don't know why I'm crying. They called me Sergeant Lynn. Really? We ate at six o'clock. We ate at six o'clock every night. You know, the kids would be playing out the cul-de-sac, and I believed in structure because that's what I had in my family. We ate as a family every night that we could. And so at six o'clock, I'd call the kids, and all the kids were like, Sergeant Lynn, do they have to come in? Ten more minutes. I'm like, no, we're eating dinner, then we'll be back out. And when you get cancer, you're like, does ten minutes really matter? Mm. Yeah. Interesting. Mm Mm-hmm. I'm sure there were a lot of things in that whole journey where you you had a chance. Your life kind of flashes before you, I would imagine, in some ways. Um, and I would also assume, knowing you, that you you had a great outlook on it and a strong faith. Oh, absolutely. In fact, um, when I went in, had that taken care of, and then um, eight months later, I had my radiation. And I thought, the people that I'm here with, I mean, they don't even look like me. They're much older and sad. And so every day I had my radiation at five o'clock because I had to work all day because, you know, you can't miss work. And so I was there at five. And I, every time I would hop up on the table and go, wait, let me see if I can get on just right because they have to line you up with lasers and all the things. And um, I was always smiling. So they started calling me happy. And they're like, and then they called me smiles. And then they said, why are you so happy? And I said, hey, I am still standing and you all are saving my life. I would think everyone would come in here so excited that you're doing something that's going to give me a few more years with my people. And so my last day, I took them all cookies. Of course you did. Did you take the bubble machine? No, I did not. But I did take them all cookies and thank them so much because they were just so... um, just inspiring. I think about how sad their life is, but they're saving lives, you know, giving radiation to people. And um, so it was quite the experience. And I came home, I'm like, okay, it's done. And then six months later, they found a spot on my other breast. And because it was so close to my lungs that they went in and did another lumpectomy and it came out benign. So God knows I like symmetry in my life. So <laughs> he provided. Yeah, that's great. What a great God we have. You know? We do. What a great attitude you have about this. <laughs> but, you know, you dig into Scripture and you, you yeah. know, I think uh, 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18 is my favorite. Mm-hmm. You know, rejoice always, pray continuously, and give thanks in all circumstances. Yeah. And that just takes you through everything, it it you will. know? Yeah, and you demonstrate that. Constantly. Mm. I appreciate that about you. You really do demonstrate that. You had a career path uh, that um, sounded fascinating uh, (laughs) through those years and um, helped a lot of people, a lot of organizations. Mm. And I think people would enjoy hearing a little bit about what were you doing all those years. Yeah. So um, here's what's interesting. I got to tell you about the first time I heard from God, like audible voice God. Mm. It was in 2001. Um, Let me back up. In 1997, I had my son, and five weeks later, I started a business with a friend that I went to college with, because who doesn't after five weeks of having a baby, and I had a three-year-old, and so we started this business, and then after two years, he left to go to a dot-com company, so it was me and a partner in Tulsa, 
And I'm driving home in 2001, and I know exactly where my car was. I was cutting through to May, and there's a Taco Bueno right there, 63rd May. Mm -hmm. And God said, sell the business. This was like in March of 2001, and I went, what? And I heard, sell the business. Drive home, and I'm like, this is weird. Like, I've never heard an audible voice say, sell the business. So I drive home, and it's 6 o'clock, so guess what we're having? We're having dinner. And so we're eating dinner, and the kids are there, and we're feeding them. Then they go off and play. And I said, Brad, the craziest thing just happened to me. And he said, what? I said, God told me as I'm looking at Taco Bueno to sell the business. And without a breath, he said, great, when? And that confirmed to me that I was living a life that was not conducive to kids and growing them and you know, focusing on them, that I was living a life of me and I was on eight boards and doing all the things that the world wants you to do. And he said, but if you sell the business, I want you to promise me that you'll stay home for a year. And I looked at him, I said, I've worked since I was 13. Like I've always worked. And he said, that's the deal. Mm -hmm. So I sold the business that August Mm -hmm. and I stayed home for a whole year. But what did I do? I dove into school and PTO president and mom's in touch and all of the things because I have to stay mm-hmm. busy. So I think I'll probably retire when I'm 85 at this juncture. <laughs> you will. But so I did stay home. And but a year to the day of that announcement, I started calling all my clients saying, hey, if you need training, consulting, HR work, onboarding, whatever, I can do that from 830 to 3. Mm-hmm. And so I started working with my clients then. And I did that till basically 2009 when um, I had somebody come to me and say, hey, I understand you train people, you can motivate people. Would you be interested in doing some contract work? And that was with Strata Leadership. And they had a contract with DHS. I said, absolutely. And so from there, it just went to, you know, a few trainings a month to over 110 a year, just traveling all across the world. Kind of crazy. So I would show up to American Airlines in a Scooby-Doo outfit at Halloween um, because that's what you do. And you train people and, you know, do all-day workshops and coach people, do some executive coaching. So I enjoy just helping others figure out their potential. Well, we've certainly been a beneficiary of that Mm -hmm. since you joined the staff. Um, You were helping us through a moment that... um, we really needed some stability, and uh, you know, we we love our staff, we love our team, and and they deserve some stability. And I knew you could bring it, and mm-hmm. you you did that for us. And that's when I realized, you know, you might be able to help us a lot more than just that moment. And thankfully, you thought about it, prayed about it, and agreed, and, and here we are. But you really have a passion for, um, you can, I'm just certain you can be having a completely rotten day (laughs) and nobody around you will know it. And you might be getting your bubble machine out doing rah, rah, rah for the staff. We walk into staff meeting, you know, you make everything, you make the most mundane things special. And and it's been fun to watch that happen. Mm. So you you do some of the same things you've always done that, Mm. that took you in a lot of other great places And yet now you're encouraging a church staff to uh, remember why we're here, work hard at what we do. I mean, I don't know. I'm not sure there'd be a difference, uh, one employee or one employer to the next, but 
you've definitely brought a dimension we did not have and probably didn't know we needed. You know, you don't know what you don't have right. until you get something. You go, wow, what, what took so long in some ways? Why, you know, that was uh, just the enthusiasm piece of that alone was quite a, a blessing to us. So um, you've been doing that now for how long with Crossings? Three years. Three It'll years. Be four years in January. Four mm-hmm. years in January. Mm-hmm. You still are a follower of Jesus. You I are am. still, <laughs> you know, you're still seemingly happy most <laughs> of the time, I think. I don't know how you do that, but... Uh, how's it been different than you thought, or has it been? You know, I was thinking about this the other day, and I think it's better. Here's so. Um, when I was in the corporate world, you had to be secular. It was mm. interesting when I would train people come up and say, you're a believer, aren't you? I'm mm. like, yes, but you had to be careful. Like, I couldn't True. say Jesus or God or any of those things, and I couldn't repeat a verse. Um, but they would say, I can tell you're a believer. And I go, that's good. And mm. how can you tell? Yeah. And they said, you're just different. I go, well, there's a difference between being a, a Christian and that. a right. <laughs> but it's interesting because coming here, I was thinking about this the other day that um, I was reflecting. I like to reflect on each of my days. Like, who did I impact today? Because just saying words to people, you know, mm-hmm. just giving them words of encouragement, mm-hmm. you could change. Just smiling at somebody, you can change their perspective on the day. And I was reflecting on a Tuesday, and I prayed nine different times in the office with staff. Mm. How many times do I, have I done that in the corporate world? Yeah. Because people don't give you permission to say, I pray with you right now. Yeah. A lot of people say, I'll pray for you. Yeah. But can I pray right now with yeah. you? And I thought, that's awesome. And then I went to an event recently to get fed. Like I went to a women's event. They're speaking to women. I thought, this is the place I'm going to get fed. And I wasn't because mm. it was so secular. Oh. And I thought, okay, it's changed for me. Mm. That still doesn't feed me the way um, the preaching around here does, the teaching, the people. And here we're all towards the bigger goal of building God's kingdom and just not business and all the things, if that makes sense. Oh, yeah, I think it does make sense. And it's sometimes we have to remind ourselves that we are, what we're doing as a church staff we have to make sure we we uh, prepare it to be in someone else's hands yes. because it has to go on when Absolutely. we're not doing our part anymore. Someone needs to pick it up and, and run with it. And if it's healthy when they get it, it there's a lot of better chance of some impact going forward. Absolutely. And I think you've probably seen that more than maybe most of us, that you know how to impact people and what a difference it can make. Everything you were doing for a company made that company better. Right. And I think sometimes we, we don't get that or, or uh, maybe not understand it or appreciate it. Yeah. So tell me about your family. You've got, uh, beyond Brad, there are some very special people in your house. Very special people. Um, Emily's my firstborn. She's 28. She's married to Eric. And she brought me my first grandbaby, Liam, who's 13 months, precious. And then there's Ben. He's 25. He's in grad school. And uh, he wants to be a counselor someday. Wow, that's a brave guy right there. <laughs> you know, I told him when he was getting into this profession, I said, you know, you're more like a bulldozer than a crane. Because <laughs> cranes pick up one person at a time, works mm-hmm. with them. A bulldozer takes groups of people. And so he's experiencing that right now. I said, I really see you doing groups of people because the way you can impact than just one at a time. So we'll see how that turns out. But he graduates in May of oh, 2023. That's great. Yeah. 
And I remember a day that uh, the phone call came about the accident. There was a terrible accident. Ooh, yes. That scared the living daylights out of us. I was doing a wedding. And there were people coming to that wedding who passed the accident or didn't make it to the wedding because of the accident. We found out, I think, a little later that it was Emily. Emily, yes. Um, Emily and Eric were driving to Grand Lake because all of his family go to Grand Lake for all the weekends. And so it was Memorial Day a year ago. And um, we were actually going to go to dinner with some people from the church. And we get a phone call from um, Emily's mother-in-law, Eric's mother, saying there's been an accident and it's in Wellston, and that's all we know. And I said, we're driving there now. And so we were driving to Wellston, and it was just crazy. By the time we got to Wellston, we had to exit, and we heard back from Polly saying they've been transported, but we don't know where. So I called 911, and I said, here's what's going on, and found out that there are actually two accidents. So one accident happened first, and then Emily and Eric had the accident and found out that Emily had been metaflighted. And I said, well, if you metaflight somebody, where would they take them? And they said, oh, you. So um, Ben was in the city. So we called Ben, my son, and said, hey, Emily's been metaflighted. There's been an accident. Can you go to OU? And he said to me, is she dead or alive? Mm. I said, I don't know. Mm. Find out and let us know. Wow. Telling your son that's not easy. So we got there, and of course, of all the COVID protocols, and we found out that Eric was transported by ambulance. Emily got the brunt of everything. But we got there, and guess who is there that prayed with me before Emily came back? Mike Toombs. He was the chaplain on call that night. And I said, I know you. <laughs> that's incredible. And he prayed, and I'm like, talk about Crossings Church family just yeah. being here. And um, it was she should not have lived. We found out two days later that they took the jaws of life to get both of them out of the car. Um, they should not have lived. Literally had to tear the car apart just to get them yeah, out. Yeah, and if you would have seen the pictures of the car, um, they still won't look at them to this day, Emily or Eric, but we saw them. And um, it's just a miracle that she's alive. And for her to have the sense of... She saw the car not stopping. Eric saw the car. She put the belt down because she's 26 weeks pregnant, and she was reaching over to turn the emergency hazards on when it hit. And so she moved the belt in time, so Liam was fine. And she, they spent the next couple weeks with us. She was in the hospital for about four days and then spent a couple weeks with us just healing. Yeah. And the only thing that she doesn't have now is a sense of smell, because she severed her olfactory nerves. And I said, that's not a bad thing with an infant. It's okay. <laughs> you, you will always find the silver lining and everything. You could go to a pile of junk and find the silver lining. My goodness. So, so when you're not keeping the staff here uh, in check and taking care of all those things that we have to have HR-wise and healthcare and all those things all and benefits things. and keeping <laughs> us from not saying things we're not supposed to say or doing things we're not supposed to do, you know. So what's your favorite hobby when you're not doing this? What are you doing? You know, I dig in the dirt. I dig in the dirt. I feel closest to God when I'm in the dirt. I did eight flats of pansies last weekend, two flats of cabbage. Of course, it took me six hours, though. And I was thinking about all those people that, for a living, you know, do that. They would not hire me. It took me forever and a day. And then I have to go over to my neighbors to apologize that I've been, you know, bent over for six hours. <laughs> 
But if, I love digging in the dirt. Yeah. Okay. If so, and then if you could live anywhere, where would it be? Anywhere with my family. Okay. I knew. I just could have answered Ooh, that. I knew yeah. I, I could have answered that for you. Yeah. Of course. Um, what's one thing you would tell your younger self? Mm, there's lots of things I would tell my younger self. Um. Um, hmm, boy, where do we start? I got a list of about 50, but one is, um, you don't have to prove anything. God's, mm-hmm. God's got you. Yeah, that's good. He's got you. That's real good. Yeah. Uh, is there a favorite Bible character? Oh, gosh. Uh-huh, Esther. Mm. It's interesting when I ran for school board, like, who does that? Nobody. I did. Um, I ran for school board, and I remember I drew two opponents. I'm like, what the heck? God, I prayed about this for six months, <laughs> and you made me get two opponents. So you start campaigning, and everyone goes, then there's people. You're, this is just—I need to tell you the story, Marty. There are people that will call you saying, you know, we run the city. Mm, really? Like, really? Oh, wow. So could you meet with us that run the city— so we can hear your platform for school board. And I said, absolutely. So I went to one meeting of these city leaders and they said, well, we're not going to endorse anybody. We're not going to back anyone financially because there's going to be a runoff. And I looked at them, I said, there's not going to be a runoff. I do not have time or energy for a runoff. <laughs> then I got another phone call from these other city leaders who say they run the city. Three different groups called me. So I went and all three of them said, you know, there's going to be a runoff. And I said, why does everyone say that? And they said, because anytime three people run, there's always been a runoff in the history of Oklahoma City Public Schools. I said, there won't be a runoff because God has ordained this. In my brain, God said, you're going to get it, even though he, I drew two opponents. And so it was interesting the night I got it. I didn't, I won. I, both opponents lost. I'm like, it's a God ordained thing. But what was so interesting is you're sitting up there in this horseshoe representing your territory, your district. And one person in the audience would always say, uh, talking about Esther, you are here for such a time as this. Mm -hmm. And I was like, that's why I'm here. The timing was needed for different voices to be on that board. I may not have moved the needle as much as I would want to. And it made me aware of larger organizations. I'm a jet ski. Like, I want to just pivot and go and move, right? And larger organizations are like cruise ships. Mm -hmm. And it takes time to move that. And so that was a really big lesson for me. But she just kept saying, keep being Esther. Mm. Keep speaking out. Keep being Esther. So she's probably my favorite right now. That's great. Top 10 book other than the Bible. Oh, gosh. Do you want a Daniel Steele novel? Do you want a... Whatever's <laughs> your top 10. Uh, I love um, Good to Great because it talks about getting the right people on the bus and then putting them in the right seat. I think that that's powerful. Um, any type of leadership book that's biblical... Like right now, I'm reading one from a Christian coach, and I'm really enjoying it, and it's something that our staff might... Um, like as well. I've read so many. In fact, I've got a whole new bookcase since I started working here. Seriously. Mm-hmm. Um, just the Ortberg stuff that we've been talking about, Dallas Willard. Um, 
Yeah, right now we're doing the Spirit of the Disciplines with uh, Dallas Willard. A group of us are doing that. And yeah, it makes you dig deep Mm -hmm. into are we doing those disciplines well? And do we even know what they are? And how do we have some um, solitude to be with him, to hear him clearly? Because I think in our culture and in this world, we um, forget to be silent and still. Yeah. Because the culture tells us to go, go, go. And Christ tells us to be. And I have a real hard time being. I'm working on that, though. Brad thinks I'm a light switch. I'm either on or off. (laughs) So he says, are you on? He sounds like he'd have to be a therapist maybe or something. You know? He probably needs he therapy. He seems to know all those buzzwords <laughs> and all does. the definitions, you know. He so, does. Well, I'm sure glad uh, you could tell your story here, and I'm really glad you joined the staff. I'm thankful Thanks. you've been to the church for so long. Your family's been here so long. Mm-hmm. You are a delightful bunch of people. Mm-hmm. And Thank so you. I appreciate you uh, telling your story. I appreciate you. Thanks.